Hey, it's Rob Carraway from robcarraway.com, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. So we love getting entrepreneurs on this show around the world. We go and search for the best people that we can speak to, to then, you know, give us some ideas about how we can run our own startups, our own businesses and get tips from uh, these wonderful experts we have on the show. So uh, I very rarely get people from Phoenix, Arizona in the US, but uh, I have got a a wonderful guest on uh, who is Dave Schools. He is the co-creator of Party Cues app. That's Party Cues app. We're going to find out about the app. We're going to find out about entrepreneurship. We're even going to get some tips about uh, his writing at Inc. So um, let's introduce then Dave Schools. Welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here. Thanks for coming on. I mean, let's first of all talk about um, you're you're the co-creator of Party Q's app. And uh, what got you into the app business in the first place, Dave? For sure. Well, let me back up if you don't mind, because you said I'm I'm, I'm in Phoenix right now and I just moved here two weeks ago, but I'm actually uh, on a digital nomadic adventure where I'm moving to, to different cities, the big cities in the United States, every three months. So that kind of plays into like the entrepreneurial adventure that I'm on. But I just wanted to, to say that because I'm here in Phoenix for three months and then San Francisco next and then Seattle and then Austin. So, Right, this is totally awesome. So you're telling me then every three months you up sticks and move on to another big city. Yep, completely. Wow. Unbelievable. So what? I don't know if you've seen that? that documentary, the uh, the minimalist, the minimalists documentary yeah. on Netflix. It's similar to that. Everything my wife and I own fit into our Honda CRV, and we just pack up and leave. Um, <laughs> right. I'm totally. So inspired. the story behind yeah. it, the story behind it is that my my wife's a travel nurse, and really the enabler of this whole opportunity. Um, travel nursing is is a great gig. I recommend it to anyone. Um, the pay is great. And then she gets an assignment um, that's three months long in cities that you request. And so we requested um, a number of different cities, and Phoenix happened to be our first assignment. So I quit my job, and now I'm a full-time digital nomad entrepreneur. What was your job? It was uh, at a digital agency called Vigit in Washington, D.C., um, it was a design development agency that did the sites like uh, Puma.com or Dick's Sporting Goods, ESPN, Animal Planet, World Wildlife Fund. It's kind of a larger agency. Right, Dave, that's, I'd love to do this, right? We have many people listening who are working at digital agencies perhaps right now. So you had like this crossroads in your life, this choice. And you could have gone one path, which is working in a career, getting a decent salary, getting better job titles along the way, staying in one location. Um, but you decided on this. I mean, so you were inspired by what, the minimalists to like have, have this type of lifestyle? I'd have to say, that's a phenomenal question. I'd have to say opportunity cost. The cost of staying at my job uh, and, and not being able to jump into some initiatives and ideas and projects that I really wanted to pursue would have led to a more frustrating life. And life is short. we got to seize the opportunity um, that life presents us. So, yeah, we could have planted. I could have stayed at my job. Uh, it was a great company. And I was 
my, my role was a digital strategist and it was kind of outbound sales. And I was meeting with a ton of people, coffees, beers, lunches, going to two events a week. And, uh, it was, it was awesome. But I had a book, I had an app, I had a startup, I had my medium publication, Entrepreneur's Handbook, that I wanted to scale, scale, and I couldn't do it with a full-time job. So when travel nursing presented itself as an opportunity for my wife, we said, this is our chance. Let's uproot, uh, give me the, enable me to pursue my entrepreneurial passions and move around the country before we settle down and have kids. Right. So th let's take you back to that day because uh, I I've been through it before, uh, which is quitting. And it is incredibly hard. It's fearful. We have this brain that is m millions of years old and, and, you know, like as a species and it, it protects us. It kind of keeps us in our comfort zone. So many of the people listening uh, are but perhaps, you know, like I was, too scared to, you know, do act on this information. But what what was that day like then where you actually had to go quit and it became a reality? How did you overcome your fear? I was sitting at my desk, writing in an Evernote document, my exact feelings of terror before walking into the CEO's office with an orange folder that had my <laughs> resignation letter. And the orange folder around the office is a sign, it's a digital agency, so when you print something out, it's a sign of formality and seriousness. And so when I walked into the office, a senior digital strategist was walking out and he says, why the orange folder? And so I, just, I kept my mouth shut and just walked into the office, laid it on the desk and said, boss, I have, have something I want to talk to you about. What was the, what was the following day like then? So you've obviously gone through that emotion of uh, quitting and then I guess you woke up the following day. Did you have like this rush of excitement? Well, <laughs> there's a moment um, on my last day. Yes, there was like a, a rush of freedom, like, okay, wow, the future is about to open up in ways I've never experienced before. But I, And on my last day, I gave my two weeks notice, and on my last day I was saying goodbye to everyone, hugging everyone, and I remember feeling like sitting in the chair by myself before leaving at like 4.30 in the afternoon and thinking, what am I doing? Like how I, these people are smarter than me. They're great. You know, I'm learning here. This is a wonderful company in a great city. And I'm throwing it all away. Like, what am I doing? There was like a moment where I had to check myself. So. Well, un un unlike us, I, I actually had my own experience and mine was, um, uh, it took me a year to get out. They, they just wouldn't let me go. And uh, we had this um, final presentation and they, they, you know, they had the whole of this office, which had grown from, you know, 20 people to, I think there was like a few hundred. And I remember going into the, the, the bathroom, the toilet, and uh, just crying <laughs> and thinking, what have I just <laughs> <Yeah>. done? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Um, exactly. How long did it take then to kind of get into the flow of your new life? Well, I mean, it's been a month. So in the first two weeks, it was um, my wife leaving her job and packing up everything, giving away a lot of our possessions. We were able to leave right when the lease of our apartment was, was closing, um, so we didn't have to break it. Um, so it was two weeks of kind of packing up and planning, and then one week of driving across the country and now we've been here in phoenix for a week week and a half and i'm ramping up 
and it's um, basically it's this. I'm fun employed is what I tell people. I love that, that fun employed. No, yeah, I'm making I make my own hours, purely self-driven. It's totally different, but it's a blast. Yeah, let's let's talk about then. Um, I guess you've chosen uh, an app uh, for your startup called Particues app. Uh, give, give us a bit of background on that, then how you came up with the idea and what you've done so far to prepare for launch and get get it out there. Sure. Yep. Party Cues is an app for conversation starting. It's, it has over 350 questions on it. And let me, let me basically explain the problem that it solves. Um, I don't know if you've heard the word fubbing. Uh, Huff Huffington Post has written about it. P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G. Phone snubbing is the term. And it's kind of uh, when you, you go out to a restaurant with your friends, there's six of you sitting around the table and you're all looking down your Instagram feeds and not interacting and not building relationships or learning about each other. That's a problem. And so to address that problem, my co-creator and I created Party Cues, which is a very simple app, and it's purely questions for conversation starting, sort of like icebreakers. And now there, that existed already in the App Store. If you do a search for questions apps or party questions, plenty come up. Uh, the problem that we saw with these other apps is that A, they have good questions, but the UI is terrible. The user interface is just not a good experience. Um, and then on the other side, you have a great looking app and it's fun to interact with, but the questions are like, would you rather sweat cheese or bleed from your eyes? You know, like these kind of odd, silly questions that, that don't really build relationship. In a sense, so the par party cues has a wonderful UI, and it's very simple. And the questions are personality-driven questions, and it's all categorized into um, categories like deep, debate, friends and family, would would you rather questions, situational, bar questions, date night, etc. So, so Dave, in in your journey, I mean. Uh, you know, when I first uh, got involved in the App Store, it was very tempting just to take what was already successful and see if you could iterate on it uh, and emulate the success. But but you've chosen a different path in that you've started with a problem uh, and looked at what, what is out there and built something very unique. Uh, how important do you feel like that is in the process and how important is that for others to, to try and, you know, try and do something similar? Sure, yeah, that's the foundation, what you just described, as building a solution that addresses a specific real-world problem. That's the foundation of entrepreneurship. Like, that's the whole reason why you'd, you'd create a startup, is to solve a problem. Where, on the flip side, if you think of something, oh, this is a great idea, or this, is, this will look cool or be, be interesting, without attaching it to a significant, like a real problem that real people are experiencing, It'll, you'll launch it and you'll find it like no one needs it because they're, they're not, it's not attached to their problem. So kind of a messaging marketing issue there. So, so Dave, you're starting with an advantage in a way because you've got like an audience, you've got, you know, you're writing and you said you write for Inc. as well. Um, you know, do you, you said you may have some tips for anyone out there who... Uh, the Appster tribe who actually have some challenges in terms of uh, getting publicity, getting attention for the things that they're doing. 
Sure, yeah. Um, just some tips that I've learned from writing for Inc. A lot of people ask, how does, what are the numbers like behind Inc.'s posts? Like, what kind of page views can you can you garner? And it, I mean, it depends on the article. And one of the mantras, um, there's a private Inc. columnist Slack channel that I'm in, and one of the mantras there is that articles live and die by their headlines. Headlines is what it's all about. Um, and so I've learned that I've, I've had articles that have done less than a thousand page views, not very impressive. But then there's one article, and it was exactly how much sleep Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey, and other great leaders get each night. Um, and that has over 150,000 page views in less than a month. So it's kind of hit or miss, but the headlines and what I've been advised to write about are kind of habits, research, and studies from the big names of entrepreneurs to do well. That's, that's great advice. So just to summarize then, basically you've heard that to get uh, great views, um, it's uh, good to have uh, like some really big named entrepreneurs in there. Uh, yeah, and according to you, what, what are the, you know, who do you follow as the big names in entrepreneurship? Sure, yeah. I mean, Elon, Elon Musk, um, he, just, he just announced a new startup. I don't know if you saw that, but Elon Musk is a big one. Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Jack Dorsey mystifies me and fascinates me. Richard Branson, folks like that. Pretty good list, hey. <laughs> um, well, uh, so in terms of the launch then, one of the big questions we get from uh, those uh, indie developers, the startup founders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, you know, starting an app, is how to go about doing a good launch. You are in the thick of your launch. You're just, um, as we're recording this, you, you're, you're already in the app store and you're about to do some things. Are you able to, to walk us through the steps that you've taken over this short period of time towards helping your then launch? Sure, yeah. Um, Medium.com is a wonderful place to write thought-provoking thought leadership posts about what's different about your app. Um, I'm pretty active on Medium. I have Entrepreneur's Handbook. It's a Medium publication. It's about 20,000 followers. Um, now, I want to be really careful in not just, you know, blasting my, my app party cues to these, my readers, because that would be insensitive and not relevant. But to as, as much as I can, tailor, you know, how we came up with the app, how I found a technical co-founder, and how how we are launching it, lessons that I've learned from building an app. Yeah, I'll write about it in my publication. Um, but as far as launching Product Hunt, of course, standard, April 13th is the day we're, we're shooting for to launch it. And leading up to that, um, I'm going to be writing a number of Medium posts, one of which, because PartyQs is a questions app and there's over 350 questions, one of my ideas for a post is to write a headline that says something like, um, 300 questions to have the best conversations in your life or something like that where I actually list out the questions so readers can see the value and then it's like, well, forget this blog post, just download the app and take these questions with you wherever you go and favorite them and, and add more and that, and that sort of thing. So writing blog posts, product hunt, will be a large part of uh, launching party cues. Yeah, Dave, I was thinking actually, the, one of the episodes I had, uh, it was uh, probably around about 50, 60, was with a, uh, 
a New York Times bestselling author called uh, Joel Com, and I remember him talking about uh, the most traction he got was uh, at publishing a lot of information about his app. You know, like the fact his app was uh, getting into the uh, number one slot on the App Store and uh, the numbers behind it, and so being very transparent with details about the app. And it sounds like you're doing something similar with Party Cues. Yeah, absolutely. Transparency and vulnerability is some of the best content you can find, in my opinion, on the internet. And Medium.com is wonderful for that. That sort of transparency is what people learn best from. And so, as much as you can do that, um, that's gonna that's gonna create wonderful content for your app. And that's what I want to do with Party Cues. Um, a large part of that is kind of like my love for questions, uh, my love for conversations. And uh, just tell stories around around that um, to help boost um, the Party Cues brand. Also, uh, one thing I just wanted to that I learned I've learned from other writers uh, and marketers is that a lot of times you you spend all this time writing a beautiful post and then you publish it and then it goes nowhere. Like it doesn't get the traction that you expected it to. And they said, don't let that frustrate you. Focus more on volume. Volume is what wins. The marketing game. So, if you have a huge post, maybe split that up into five different posts um, that are 500 words each. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, thinking about your uh, traction, you know, going from uh, articles that get in the, in the thousands, and then uh, having articles that get 150,000, it, it kind of sets you up to that's what you expect now. Um, but your next article after that big hit could be down in the thousands again. And so uh, what I'm like most interested in is, is how you keep motivated to keep writing. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question because that's, that is the puzzle. That is the thing that we as writers can't control and we just kind of play the game and hope for the best. Um, I'd say as much as you have a community, the tighter you are with your community, the, the more it will kind of kickstart traction and that'll get algorithms moving on different social media sites. Um, so as much as you have kind of a, an intimate following, the better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's largely cross your fingers, send it out the door and hope for the best. And, and do you actually do any measuring apart from simple views uh, to your articles? I mean, I've often thought it would be interesting to try and assess, you know, how far someone gets through an article. I mean, Medium are trying to uh, kind of approach this by you know, giving you the data on how many have read your article. Um, but do you ha happen to use any particular tools or software to see, see how your articles are doing? I know that with, with Medium, uh, the analytics that, that they give you, like um, minutes read, um, views versus reads and then you have recommends a lot a lot of those analytics are for publishers as in they can take those numbers and show them to advertisers and show kind of like the worth of their publication but as far as how that impacts how you would write down the road like because this article did this well according to these analytics and metrics uh, I should write in this way it doesn't really work that way um, Frankly, it's been, you can't, because writing and content is largely a qualitative art, you can't really put a science to it. It just has to be raw and real and beneficial and teach people. Um, and that's kind of what makes it 
do well. That's valuable, extremely valuable. I mean, raw and real. And that's what we try and do on this show because, you know, you mentioned all these um, uh, top entrepreneurs, Elon Musk, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, and Richard Branson. Uh, we often get obsessed with, uh, you know, finding out about them. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like uh, there's all the... Uh, kind of overnight one you know uh, entrepreneurs that have a w overnight success and uh, you know often that people come into app entrepreneurship because they've heard some 19 year old kid has suddenly launched an app and is now a multimillionaire and they can do the same and uh, i mean the, what we try to do on this podcast is try to you know get real and and give the genuine kind of hardship behind uh, some of the success Paul, I love that. Re really quick, a mentor told me this quote, and I live by it, and, and it, may, it may help others listening. It's that success is when preparedness meets opportunity. And so when, when you're writing and blogging and, and marketing and getting your, your app out there uh, and you're finding no traction, what you're doing is building a backlog so that when the opportunity comes, when the timing happens to hit, and that might be outside of your control, and they say, okay, what is this app? Or who is this person? You have this backlog of content. That's, that's great. Like you've done a great job building it up and, and preparing for the moment. It's just waiting for the moment to come or it, the moment never comes. That's, that's kind of the equation that I've seen work for, for success. You know, in the last few minutes we have, Dave, one of the interesting observations I often get is how to monetize an app. And, you know, you've got a really interesting idea. Have you thought about monetization yet, like a revenue stream from your app? Sure. Yeah. Um, basically, in-app pur purchases, unlocking new features. Uh, and I haven't quite solidified the ways, but there's, you know, you could always unlock new categories of questions or just additional questions. Um, that would be probably the most straightforward way. But I've also thought about adding the functionality where you can answer the questions in the app, because right now it has a Twitter integration where you each question is hashtagged and you answer the, the question on Twitter. But if we could unlock it so that users, then, then you could play it by yourself, where you go through the different questions and you could answer them below. And you like, so you, you pay to be able to see other people's answers and to, an, and to answer the questions in the app. Could be interesting. Uh, yeah. Also, I'm thinking you could have one for podcasting, you know, what to do with a podcast guest. And uh, you could go three different questions. Sure. Uh, I'm very tempted. I, I can't wait. There's to an interview section. Because, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I could, uh, uh, maybe I could learn something from uh, all the, uh, the, you know, the great interview questions you can get. Uh, anyone who listens to my show for a long period of time knows that um, we, we often uh, ask lots of different questions, you know, see where the conversation leads us. Uh, Dave, is there anything you feel we've missed that app entrepreneurs listening could value from your experience? And anything we haven't touched on yet with you know your own journey that could be valuable to the apps to tribe listening? I'd say the value of team uh, and finding people you can trust who communicate quickly. So I found a technical co-founder. There's no way I could have done the code of, of this app. I tried to learn Swift on my own. Uh, and I gave up because I thought that even if I did put years into this, someone who's my own age 
would be far more experienced and better than I would be. So I figured I will stick to my strengths and I'll hire or partner with where I'm weak. And so I found uh, an old college friend who's a phenomenal Swift uh, developer. Um, so he built the app and he communicates quickly. So if you can find someone, if you're a non-technical co-founder, if you can find a developer who communicates quickly, um, I'd say that is the sign of someone who's who would be a great co-founder. Yeah, and actually, uh, I had a past episode where we talked about uh, the the steps go to to go through to find a non-technical, sorry, a technical co-founder as a non-technical founder yourself, and uh, that that actually was quite a virally shared uh, episode. Um, so there's obviously a lot of interest there in trying to. Uh, get get an, a technical co-founder to work alongside you, and you've obviously been successful in finding someone from your own, own network to uh, to actually join. Um, so, Dave, uh, how how best can people uh, help you connect with you, uh, download the app? What's the best way of getting in touch? Sure, uh, three ways. One, um, Entrepreneur's Handbook on Medium. If you search for it, you'll find it. A uh, great place to find tips for like I have an article on how to find a technical co-founder um, and just kind of things around design tech app building creativity innovation also just launching this this is kind of the first time I'm announcing this because I just made this um, write about my startup.com I'm just about to launch it um, it's live now but if you go there that's a way for folks to answer questions about their startup and I'll get, I'll receive an email with all their, with the story, and then I'll reach out and write a story about your startup, and it's free. I'm opening it up to whoever and anyone uh, who has a great story. But write about my startup. It's a great way. dot com. It's a great way to contact me. And then PartyQs, PartyQs.com. It's on iOS and Android today. Okay, I just have to touch on write about my story. Dot, sorry, write about my startup. dot com. That, that's a genius idea. You're saying that's open to anybody. Yeah, the, here's the thing. Because I would go to different events as I'm traveling around the country and I meet awesome founders, co-founders, and they have a cool app, they have, they, they've solved an interesting problem, and they're always wanting to know how do I get the word out. I'm a writer, I love to write. Uh, there's, I write for Smasher Magazine, Business Insider, The Next Web, kind of all these different areas. And so if I can write their story, um, we get on the phone, we exchange emails. Um, that's how I find cool stories. So writeaboutmystartup.com is a way to open that up to the world, to the net, to the, to the internet. Anyone can go to it and fill it out and contact me. And then we'll see if it's a good fit for Inc., for the next web, for Entrepreneur's Handbook, for all the other uh, outlets that I write for. Genius, absolutely genius. Well, I mean, obviously, we've had a lot of uh, startup founders on the show, so if there's any uh, interesting uh, past episodes, you may want to go and look at. Um, Dave, it's been wonderful chatting with you, and I'm so inspired. I really, really love the uh, lifestyle. I think you're the first person uh, on this show, the first entrepreneur to ha have such a, a varied, like, awesome traveling lifestyle. You know, three months in each city. And uh, I really hope all goes well. And uh, I'm guessing that you'll start to run out of cities eventually, <laughs> which means that maybe it opens up to the world. Hey, yeah, maybe I'll come come across the pond and meet you up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or um, we can go and hook up in um, 
You know, there's a lot of digital nomads now in uh, Indonesia and Thailand and uh, Malaysia and all these other places. So, um, but Sounds Dave, fun. thanks for coming on the show and, and, and all the best. Thank you, Paul.